Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 133, The Impersonal Nature of Thought, part two. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. So this is our part two. If you haven't listened to part one, the impersonal nature of thought, part one, um, I recommend listening to that one first. I think it was pretty short before you dive into this one. So this is this is kind of the, the, the fun one. This is where it comes to life, I think. So in part one, I read the preface to my upcoming book, which really kind of sets out this idea that um, that's just what minds do. That's sort of the theme of all of this, of the book and of this conversation we're having right now. That's just what minds do. Now, let me back up and say a little bit more about that again. In all of my work with people, seeing people go from feeling completely overwhelmed and feeling stuck and just caught up in something that feels horrible to them to starting to have some space and some distance and some freedom with all of that, the one of, there's many things perhaps, but one of the the most notable sort of things that people see, I think, along the way is some sense, and everyone would say this in different ways, they might not use this language, but what I see in people is they've begun to have some sense that their experience isn't personal. It is not all about them. Meaning, when they have a thought, there's no longer this, like, I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe I feel this way. I can't believe I did that. As if they do it, as if they think it and they feel it and they do it on purpose, as if, you know, they, they this me, 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 I, I, I is no longer in the center of all of that. It begins to look more like, oh, this is just what's showing up. You know, this is life is showing up and and I'm experiencing it. There's there's an experience of life, but it's not about me. So all the backstory, all the meaning, all the why me starts to fade a little bit. And when it does, amazing things happen because, you know, it's almost like, people, you know, we can feel really sort of stuck in our thoughts and feelings and all of that. And and the stickiness in that, the glue, if there's a glue holding that together, it's you. <laughs> it's your idea of you. It, it's, you know, it, it's the way that our mind tells us this is about you and why is this happening and it shouldn't be happening to a person like you or this is going to impact your whole future. It's always that me, I, mind story that has things feeling especially horrible. Without that, we still may not like every feeling that floats our way, but it's a really, really different experience. So there are a lot of ways to have this sort of conversation to help people see that what they experience isn't personal, a lot of different ways. And um, one that I've found particularly helpful that I love to have, first of all, it's never about just 
telling them. Like, you know, let's imagine someone, uh, it's not hard for me to imagine that someone shows up and says, wow, I have all these intrusive thoughts and they're really horrible. And they're, they're, you know, they're about me hurting my child or they're about my wife dying or my husband dying or something like that, because they are always the, the things that we call intrusive thoughts are always about the things that you care the most about in life. So this poor person comes and says, all oh, these thoughts are about me and my family and what if, and, and I'm such a monster for even thinking these thoughts. Now, you can feel all the layers of personal in that. The whole thing is amazingly personal, that those thoughts are showing up for this person, what it means about them. The content of the thoughts is 100% personal. It's not just a mind rattling off scary things. It's scary things happening to their family, the people they love the most. So if you look at it from that perspective, it it's the most personal thing in the world. So if I were to tell that person, you know, your thinking isn't personal. And I'm not saying I don't say that, but I don't expect it to go very far because they're like, are you crazy? Of course it's personal. I'm not thinking about someone else's wife dying. I'm thinking about my wife dying. And I'm thinking it, you know, it, it, it looks incredibly personal. And, and so again, like we, we poke around at different ways of helping them see that it's not. And I never, ever want someone to take my word for it. Like I'll, I'll tell you, I absolutely know this isn't personal. This has nothing to do with who you are. But I don't expect them to believe that. It's going on in their head with pictures of their family. Of course, they're not going to believe me. So so my job is, is to open up their mind, like help them see something that helps them see it. Not just listen, not take my word for it, but how can they come to see this? And... And I think this is just the beauty of this new paradigm and a new, a deeper way of talking about things and looking at things. I never had that as a coach before. And I feel like I have it now because we can point toward a description of how life works. And that description is impersonal also. So what I mean by that is you don't have to listen to me say, oh, that's, don't worry, that's not personal. It's not really about you. I'm going to show you how all human experience works period, just all of it. <laughs> and I want to show you that in a way that makes it very clear so that you can see, oh, okay, this this does have my details plugged in, right? It has pictures of my family and, and worries about me and all of that is kind of the the details that are plugged into the story here. But the process of what's going on, I, I get that. I can see how that's a universal process. And I think when people start to see that, they need a description. They need an explanation. And I don't mean a heady one. I don't mean we have to understand how all of life works because hopefully we all know that we don't. But, you know, something that something that makes sense, something that's like, oh, okay, I can see that. And here's why. Now, I'm not just listening to you telling me I uh, don't take it personally. So there are, again, even in this description, there are many ways of going about a description like this. But one of my favorite ways and one that I've just seen have a lot of impact is helping people see, yes, this looks incredibly personal and here's why. Here's why it looks personal. It looks personal because we all have a brain and a mind that works through a brain that spins everything to be about us. 
our brain creates our identity. Our mind creates this, this idea of you, who you think you are, and then it filters information and it takes in all this stuff and it spins it all around this coherent story about there being a you and all this stuff is going to happen. And your brain is all about predicting your future. And so when it feels something scary, it wants to say, oh, what if this continues? Or what if that, that thought really does come true? So that it can play out those what ifs because to your brain, it's just its purpose is just to keep you physically alive. It's not to be accurate. It's not to keep you happy doesn't care about your happiness so much. It cares about your physical survival. So it'll play out. Oh, that might happen. Then what would you do? Because to a brain, there's, there's value in that. There's survival benefit in that. And I've talked about this many times. I won't go into it too much. But, but when, we, when early brains evolved, there was benefit to that. It made perfect sense for a brain to predict what might happen to keep that person actually physically alive. If someone was going to come around the corner and kill you because you weren't in their tribe, your brain needed to predict that. Now, that's not what we're dealing with today, but our brain still works in that way. So anyway, I'm kind of repeating probably the whole uh, last episode, but still listen to it if you haven't. Um, but but this is one way of helping people see that our experience is not personal, is to help them see why it feels so darn personal. There's a great explanation for that. And when we see that, it just starts to make sense. Like, oh, now I get why it's bringing in pictures of my kids and telling me something bad's going to happen to them. And now I see why it makes everything about me, because that's what a brain has evolved to do. The more we see that... Uh, just naturally, we get it. We just get it. And it doesn't look and feel so personal. So in this episode, I want to go through at least a couple examples um, of to show you kind of how a mind will make everything look and feel so personal, but what it looks and feels like when we see that it isn't, because it's, it's huge. It's everything. So there was a recent example, um, we talked about this in the little school, big change, did a whole call around it. Um, and it was really great. So, so I'll just give you the brief version of uh, what was going on for this girl, um, this woman. She, she was feeling, um, this is very relatable, I think. She had a sister-in-law who, who uh, wasn't all that nice to her. They worked together and she had to interact with her a lot. And the sister-in-law was kind of, I don't know, but just not that nice. And so, um, so the student, let me give her a name. I'll call her Jane. That's not her real name. So whenever Jane saw a text from her sister-in-law or heard, oh yeah, you have to go talk to your sister-in-law for on this work issue today or whatever, she would feel all this stuff as we do, right? She would feel kind of anxious and, oh, and she didn't want to do it. And many times Jane had considered quitting her job, which was like a family business, I think. Um, she'd considered even quitting her job because she just didn't like these feelings that she had around her sister-in-law all the time. So Jane, the way Jane sort of framed this for herself or the way it looked to her was, I have a problem. I'm too sensitive. I've always been too sensitive. Everyone's told me I'm too sensitive. Um, it's for sure true. <laughs> I am too sensitive. And here's the, here's the most recent way that it's playing out in my life is, uh, every time I see my sister-in-law's name come across my phone because she just sent me a text, I feel sick and it's not good and I'm too sensitive and I need help. So you can see in this example how 
when Jane is too sensitive, when this is a this is now in her mind, the way she's seeing it, the problem is I I am feeling something I shouldn't be feeling. And and not only am I feeling something I shouldn't be feeling, I'm feeling it because of who I am, because of some personality characteristic of me that feels pretty solid. It's been there for a long time. People always tell me I'm too sensitive. Now, if that's the way it looks, very, very, very personal, what are our options? <laughs> like, like, what are Jane's options and what are, what are my options as her coach? If I buy into that and I say, oh, yeah, she is pretty darn sensitive, I wouldn't react that way. So she must, and everybody tells her she's sensitive. So that I'm sure that's true. I, uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, and what is Jane going to do with that? She's going to try to think about things in a different way to be less sensitive, which is what the real Jane was sort of doing. She was trying to... Um, reframe this for herself like oh well maybe you know maybe I'm too sensitive but just remember maybe your sister-in-law is going to be nice today (laughs) maybe the text is a good text a nice text that happens every once in a while none of that goes very far we all know that it's just trying to put a happy face on something it feels completely inauthentic it's us trying to talk ourselves into a new thought basically. And Jane had tried that a lot. I think we all try that a lot and it didn't get very far, not surprisingly. So she needs to, if this is all about her and her sensitivity issue, she's the problem. So she needs to either have a new, have a new spin on her sister-in-law. She needs to find a new way to kind of rationalize or deal with these feelings. Um, and she had done that also when the idea came to her many, many times that maybe I'm just going to quit this job. Maybe I'm just going to walk away and try to never have contact with my sister-in-law. Now, sometimes that might be the thing to do, but it, but it wasn't for Jane in this moment in particular because she was, she was seeing that as a way to stop feeling a feeling. You know what I mean? Like if she if she came at that, if she saw this for what it was and then decided, you know, I don't think I want to work here anymore. Great. But she was doing it to try to manipulate her own feelings and try to run from something she didn't like. So, you know, again, people, we all do the best we can. It's, she might still quit the job. Who knows? But I knew there was more she could see before you jump to that conclusion. But you can see how incredibly limiting this was for Jane when it looked like she was the problem because you only have a few options and they're all about changing something about yourself and that's not easy to do and the things that we come up with to try don't usually work <laughs> like quitting the or they have really high stakes like quitting the job and minimizing all contact with her sister-in-law might work to some extent but there's high high stakes to that this is a family member And then someone else is going to come along because Jane is too sensitive. No doubt she'd have a new colleague someday, a new coworker, a new different sister-in-law. Who knows where these feelings pop up? And then what do you do? You know, and the same with trying to reframe and see it in a different way and think, you know, well, maybe she's going to be nice today or, or, oh, she doesn't really mean it. Maybe she's just hurting, which is probably true by the way <laughs> but when we when we try that on and we try to apply it like a band-aid to make ourselves feel differently it doesn't work it just doesn't work that way so jane was feeling 
so stuck, you know, and, and, and feeling horrible while she was stuck because it looked like she was the issue. Now, the way this looked to me, I read Jane's post on her forum. I talked with Jane. Like, I, I heard everything she said. I totally understand um, how it looked like the problem was that she's too sensitive and how she had a ton of evidence for that. But it, let's play out another side of this. What if what's ha- what happens is Jane sees her sister-in-law's name she hears her sister-in-law's voice. She's told, oh, go talk to your sister-in-law about the problem at work. And Jane's brain, because its job is to predict things and to find matches, it, it never wants, our mind never wants, our brain in particular, doesn't love new. It doesn't love anything new because new is threatening to a, to a brain that's survival-based. It wants to just repeat. This is why, hab- why we're so habitual. My <laughs> habits are so easy at times to to kind of take root, why it's so easy for habits to take root, you know, because our our brain just wants to kind of find something that feels known and then just sort of replay it all the time. So it's like that memory game, like that, that you know, you have to turn over a card, flip it back over, find the match. Our brain is doing that all the time. It's trying to predict things based on what it's seen before. So, Jane sees something about her sister-in-law and all these feelings show up because that's what her brain does. <laughs> it says, oh, sister-in-law, here's how we feel when sister-in-law is around. Now, even just the way I'm talking about it now, this has nothing to do with Jane being too anything. It has nothing to do with her sister-in-law being too anything. You kind of start to get a feel for this just sort of mechanical thing that happens. And there are so many... <laughs> very technical, I know, so many mechanical things that are kind of happening that we have absolutely no actual awareness of all the time, all the time. And then we feel something, and then our mind, because it wants to make everything about us, tells a story about it being about us. So let's just say Jane's brain is is kind of plays out, kind of continues the pattern. When it sees her sister-in-law's name, it just play, it just spits out the same feelings and the same little physical reactions, the same sensations. The energy moves in the same way that it's used to moving when her sister-in-law's around. That's just a habit, right? Just a habit that a habit of her body. It's not even Jane's habit. It's her brain and her body's habit because we they are habitual machines. So it's the habit of a machine. And then in a split second, Jane's mind comes in and says, oh my God, look how sensitive I am. This feels horrible. I can't work. I can't feel this feeling anymore. And, and the feeling is especially painful because of the story, because it's so, so tied in with this story about her not getting along with her sister-in-law and her being too sensitive and she should be able to and blah, 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 blah. But before that story kicks in, or even while that story's kicking in, what's happening is a habituated machine is just doing what it does. It's just filling in the blanks, spitting out the same energy patterns, the same sensations, same thoughts that it spits out whenever sister-in-law is seen or thought about. That's it. It's totally impersonal. This has nothing to do with, with Jane 
who she is, how she feels, nothing. It's her body and her mind just completing a pattern. So the great um, analogy for this is the auto is autocorrect. You know, um, we start to type in something and the, the machine of our phone or computer or whatever wants to come in, the program wants to come in and complete it. And we all know how autocorrect goes. We get some hilarious inaccuracies a lot of the time. Overall, is it functional and helpful? Sure. I'm sure overall we wouldn't have it and people wouldn't use it if overall it didn't save time. But it sacrifices a whole lot of accuracy along the way. And that's exactly what's going on here. It's like sister-in-law is perceived. A thought about sister-in-law shows up body just does the same stuff it always does. It just completes the pattern. Even when sister-in-law ends up being super nice in that moment, doesn't matter. The pattern is already going because your brain doesn't know that. It doesn't know what's going to happen. It's just there to try to predict things for you. So can you kind of see then how, again, then, then Jane's mind, which is all about her and spins everything to be about her, and our mind is all about having this coherent story that makes sense, it wants us to be in the middle of a story that makes sense, will come in and say, oh, yep, clearly, here's more evidence of your sensitivity. But when Jane can start to see, wow, what if this is just this mechanical sort of thing that's playing out and, and it's not about me and I'm not too sensitive and I don't need to change. I mean, she doesn't even have to see all that when she just sees it's, oh, it's a mechanical thing playing out. She will see the rest of it. She will kind of start to wake up to the fact that it's not about her and it's not personal. And in that space, all kinds of new options open up. Maybe she still quits the job. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she feels differently about the sister-in-law in time. For sure, she's going to end up feeling differently about her own feelings in time and, and her own stories about what this all means about her. And there's just so much... I hope you can feel this, like just how much space and potential and nothingness in the most beautiful way, nothingness is there when we begin to see, oh, it's my, it's my machine that has these habits that, re- that, that finishes these patterns. It's not this whole me, me, me story that has all the meaning and all the backstory and all the implications. That part's made up. And if I don't have to believe that so much because I see how the machine works, wow, I mean, there's no glue. I'm free. I'm free. It doesn't mean the machine's going to change right away. That's the other beautiful thing. So so Jane can still have these reactions when she sees her sister-in-law's name or hears her voice or has a thought about her for a long time, perhaps. Now, the machine does tend to change when we don't believe it. When we see it for what it is, it does sometimes rearrange, but not not instantly and not necessarily, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. She can feel that. No, oh yeah, there's that feeling that comes around my sister-in-law and have none of this me and wrong and I'm too sensitive stuff in it. No desire or need to change it. Nothing to fix because nothing's wrong. Everything, everything goes differently from there. So, there was another example of another uh, guy in our community and sort of similar. So his thinking, uh, let me think of a fake name for him. I'll call him Walter. Walter's, um, Walter's kind of habit 
was that he got sort of socially anxious and he had this whole story about it that he's awkward, he's strange, like everyone notices this, this about him. Um, it, it, it kind of, he, he 100% knows it's thought created, but it kind of wasn't even up for debate in a sense. It's like, no, 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 you should see me. Like when I'm in front of a bunch of people and it's my turn to talk, I turn red and I, I get all flustered and, you know, just a ton of evidence for clearly this is going on. And, uh, you know, just looking at that in a, in a really similar way, like, yes, there's a brain body, perhaps there's a brain body habit that goes on. You see faces looking at you, a bunch of stuff starts firing off in your body. But what was hurting Walter, and the only thing that was hurting Walter, really, because that, okay, so what I just said, you you see a bunch of faces looking at you and all this stuff starts shooting off in your body. Now we're back to like Bruce Springsteen who says, oh, when I'm, you know, ready to go on stage, I feel like I'm going to throw up and my, my hands are all sweaty and I have all these butterflies on my stomach and it's awesome. That's when I know I'm ready to go give a great performance. Now we're back to that, right? That without this story of I have stage fright, you don't have anything. <laughs> you just feel stuff and you might love it or hate it or, or neither. And who cares? It's just feeling. It's just stuff, just energy. So that's what's going on for Walter. When he looks out at the crowd and sees a bunch of eyes on him, his body just does stuff. Who cares? He doesn't, there's nothing in that. What hurts Walter is when that reaction, when he feels stuff and he says, oh no, I shouldn't be feeling this. This is going to make me stammer and not be articulate. I'm probably turning red. They probably think I'm strange. And that happened, that is habitual too. Now, Walter's not sitting around conjuring up all these thoughts. That's also just part of the pattern being completed. You know, of his mind just saying, oh, here's, here are the thoughts that show up when you feel these feelings. It's just, it's just autocorrect. And it's, not accurate. <laughs> it's the hilarious epic fails of autocorrect. But poor Walter thinks it's real. He thinks it's true. He thinks it's all about him being strange and there being something off with him and he can't be a social person the way he wants to be. And then he hides and then he doesn't do social things and you know how this goes. It's not good. And then that all of his hiding and all of his staying small to avoid a feeling keeps his mind reinforcing it. Look at you can't even leave the house. Clearly you can't be around other people and on and on and on. But... When Walter can start to see, and I think in our conversations with him, I kept thinking about a robot. Like, it's just this robotic, habitual, impersonal, totally, totally, totally impersonal reaction. It's like you just hit one domino and all these other dominoes fall. It's just how we work physically and mechanically. And... And even part of that, yes, is that story. So even the story that says I'm weird and I need to hide, that's just another domino. It's just another domino that gets, gets hit off when all these sensations show up. But it's all just part of a machine. It's all just part of a brain wanting to fill in blanks to save itself some energy. 
to save you because it thinks this might be a real actual threat, and clearly it's not. This is not a threat to Walter's life in the least, never has been, never will be. For Jane, her life, her sister-in-law is not going to murder her. This is not a threat to her physical survival or safety at all for either of them, not even close. But the brain doesn't know that. The brain doesn't know the details. The brain just says, whoa, I need to keep this person alive, and they're feeling some stuff. You know, and so it fills in, oh, yeah, what if? And this might happen. And look, it ha- and, then, and then Walter's mind jumps in and says, you know, it's story. And that's all about him. Why is he so weird? And then that's the glue. And the glue is there. And now it's just churning more and more, you know. And, and again, if we look at it the way we did with Jane, when, when Walter comes, and he did, of course, as we do, he comes and says, I have an issue. I'm, I'm socially awkward. And I, have, I can't be around people. And everyone thinks I'm weird. The thing, the, what are his options? And what are my options? Both of our options are, well, let's fix Walter. <laughs> of course, I don't see it that way, but if, if it looks like that, you know, if it's like, here's my problem, I'm socially awkward, I have to change this. This is what Walter would be saying to himself. I have to get stronger. I have to change my mindset. I need to think about things differently. Maybe I should start saying some mantras before I go in front of people. Maybe I should picture them naked. Maybe I should, you know, like, uh, who the heck knows? But it's a bunch of work. <laughs> and, it's a, and it's a bunch of effort. And it's a bunch of thought. And a brain that's already feeling kind of threatened doesn't have energy for all that. This is not a time for willpower. Your resources are zapped. It's the time when you can't use willpower. So all of the everything revolving around, I'm broken, I need to fix this, is never, ever, ever going to work. But when I see Walter, and what I can start to reflect back to him, is what if this has absolutely nothing to do with you? And here's why. Again, don't take my word for it because I know you won't and I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either. But here's why. You know, what if this is just the way a brain works? What if your brain just detects a match and it shoots off all these physical sensational fireworks in your body and then your mind story pops in around it? But what if you can see all that happening and know, oh, this is just how all humans work. It's universal. It's nothing to do with me. And you start to get more comfortable with that side of things. And Walter starts to really play with this and let himself actually consider, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if I actually wasn't socially awkward? And then he gets really excited and then he still doesn't believe it. He hasn't bought in yet, but it's not about buying in. There's still more to see maybe around, oh, this is just a process. It's a physical process. And as he sees that more and more, it looking personal just doesn't make sense. It would be like any of us saying that it's personal whether, whether our heart beats for us all day today or not. That if your heart skips a beat or if your heart slows down or speeds up, man, that means something about you. You have a problem. You have a, you have a personality problem. Like you are a problem. No, it was just the machine doing what a machine does. Now, maybe there's an intervention. Maybe there's something to be done, but it isn't a personal, meaningful past and future because of this. Therefore, it's just not any of that. And when all of that is taken away, everything, there's no glue. When it's not about me, 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 there's just no glue. So, 
hope these two examples help and you can see this everywhere. I'm thinking of the podcast I did with Gina, um, maybe, I don't know, 10 episodes ago where Gina's caring for her elderly parents. And she mentioned in that episode how um, when it's my dad, when it's all about my dad and he does this and my dad does that, it's a completely different experience than when it's John or whatever his name is. (laughs) Um, And so many people commented, like really heard something in that. And think about that. Whenever me and my and I and and all the details and all the personal stuff is in there, of course, it feels completely different and we get so caught up in it. And as soon as it's not that, truly not that, because we see, oh, this really can't be about me. That's what does the change, by the way, is really seeing, oh, this can't be personal. That's why I love to look at how everybody's mind works and how our brain has evolved to do this. And then we start to feel kind of embarrassed in a good way (laughs) of like, oh my gosh, like who did I think I was that this was all about me? Of course it's not about me. That's when it, you know, those are the real insights people have when they just see, oh, there is no real me in this way and, and all of that good stuff. But, you know, even just... So I'm just thinking of, of that conversation with Gina and just as simple, as simple as, as saying, oh, you know, this is happening. John is saying that versus my dad is doing this again. Totally different experience. Think about it with anything you feel. My depression's back. I'm in a bad mood. My, my anxiety has returned can't, I mean, just this week, I've heard that so many times. A person feels a feeling and instantly my anxiety's back. No, it's not. You feel a feeling <laughs> and it doesn't look that way. I know. But the more we go beneath the surface and see what's going on, it is that way. There's no other option. What do you mean it's back? What is it? It's done and over. And what do you mean it's it's back has this huge implication story about therefore the future is going to be full of it well how how could you know that there is no future but that aside like how how could you know that (laughs) what do you mean like how does your mind now it tells you the future and you believe it so even stuff like that my depression it's back it you know my feeling my habit it's not your habit it's it's a it's a a hat, it's a thing your brain and body do that your mind comes in and takes all the credit and blame for and tells a story about it being about you. So this is everywhere. We can see it everywhere. It shows up everywhere. And I, I hope this is helpful. And I just feel like, gosh, there's, there's almost nothing. And I'm probably wrong. I'm sure I am. I'm sure uh, a few sometime in the future, I'll, I'll say, I, I found something that's even more helpful. I hope I do. But as of right now, I feel like there's maybe not many things more freeing for a human being than to see that our, what we feel and think and do, our human experience is not about us. It just isn't. It can't be. The Little School of Big Change has helped thousands of people find freedom from habits, anxiety, and so much more for almost four years. Please join me along with several Little School of Big Change grads where they'll tell you exactly how their change happened. 
You'll hear recent grads talk about how the Little School of Big Change helped them with eating habits, anxiety, depression and moods, health and pain, sleep issues, and a lot of other things. So join me and my students for this really fun interactive webinar on Thursday, February 4th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. UK. You can register for the free webinar at dramiejohnson.com slash LSBC stories. And I'll put that link in the show notes.